0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations, and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 18, verse 5, and once again, the title of my message is, The God of This City. Now, as we get into this text this morning, just to take you back, well, a few Sundays ago, perhaps you remember that Paul traveled from Athens to the city of Corinth, which is about 50 miles. And he traveled from this intellectual center to the the city of Corinth, which was, as I said weeks ago, kind of like Las Vegas. Um, It was a nasty place. There was sexual immorality everywhere you looked. And what we see in the text is that Paul traveled from Athens to Corinth and he he went there to spend time with Aquila and Priscilla. Do y'all remember that couple from the text? Aquila and Priscilla. They were in Corinth and Paul, Paul went there to spend time with them, we're told, because, well, they were tent makers and Paul happened to be a tent maker. And so Paul stayed with him and Paul, the great apostle Paul, who preached the word and taught and cast out demons and did all of that, as I said, weeks ago, he also worked with his hands. He had calluses on his hands. He made tents and he did so in order to supplement his income in order to, well, make a living so that he would not be a burden on the people that he preached to. And so once again, let me, let me reinforce this. Thank you Because you guys, I never want to be a burden to you. None of the pastors do. Thank you that you give to this church. And because of your generosity, I'm freed up so I don't have to make tents. (laughs) So let me say it again. Thank you. I'm happy that I don't have to make tents, so to speak. I don't have to work another job. You are generous. You give your money. And because you resource me, I'm freed up to equip you. Does that make sense? So oftentimes you you might wonder, or some of you may wonder, where does my money go? Well, to missions and to the the reaching of many people, the building of many lives, but practically thank you because, well, I have a job today because of your generosity. So thank you. But Paul went through this season where he he made tents because he didn't want to be a burden on the people. The church wasn't fully established. And so uh, he went about doing this and it was a noble task for Paul. But as we're going to see today, Paul's primary objective was not to make tents, it was to win souls. Really, that's what God called him to do. And so today we're going to pick it up in Acts 18, 5. And here's, here's what Luke tells us. When, when Silas, we're told, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with, the, say it with me, with the Word. He was occupied with the Word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was, you say it, Jesus. was Jesus. He was occupied with the word. And in days to come, he would be occupied with the word because this offering came from Macedonia. Uh, Silas and Timothy brought it. So Paul went from, watch this, tent making to almost full time, if not full time, soul winning. And this was because of the generosity of the people. But I love here that, that Paul was occupied with the Word. How many of y'all know we can be occupied with a lot of things? There are a lot of things to be busy with. There are a lot of things that we could occupy our time with. And that's true for y'all, and that's also true for me. But how many of y'all know we have to guard our time? And it's not just can I, it's Lord, should I? God has given each one of us a unique calling. And we have to hear from God to make sure we are staying within the bounds, within the boundary lines he has circumscribed for us. So we don't get out of them, but we stay in them because in them is where we bring maximum glory to him. But here we're told that he was occupied with the word and he was occupied with the word because Paul knew that that the word would not return void. That it's the word of God that sets the captives free. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Paul knew that it was the word that would break the yoke. It was the word that would set the captives free. How many of y'all know? It's the word that I'm speaking right now. That if, 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 if you believe it can change your life and the eternal trajectory of your life forever. You are heading toward hell. But when you hear the word and, and keyword, believe the word, everything changes in your life, not just now, but forever. Isn't that good for us to hear, to be reminded of faith comes by hearing and hearing the what? The word of Christ. And so Paul knew this, of course. And so he was occupied with the word. And I love this, that Paul had money. Paul had the word. Paul was filled with the spirit. Paul had the truth, but Paul also got something else from the Jews that he ministered to. Look at verse six. It says this. Luke tells us when they, that is the Jews that he preached to, and when they, say it with me, and what? And when they opposed and reviled him. Now, listen, this is strong language, isn't it? I mean, this isn't like indifference. This isn't like, they're like, okay, we'll hear you later. No, they did what? They opposed him and, the second word's stronger, isn't it? Reviled him. This comes from a Greek term blasphemeo, which, which means this. It means to speak in a disrespectful way that demeans, denigrates, maligns. Raise your hand if you have ever been, well, uh, demean, de, demean, denigrated, or maligned. Well, okay, put your hands up. Raise your hand if you've ever been dog cussed. There we go, all right. There we go. Right, let me see your hands. I'm not asking if you've done that. Raise, raise your hand if that's happened to you. If, you. if someone's just dog cussed you before. Let me see your hands. None you, okay, not so many over here. It's a good bunch over here. What did y'all do? What did y'all do? Wait, can I tell you something I did? Can I tell you something I did? I'm going to confess. Can I confess the sin publicly? Yep. Some of you are like, yeah. Others are like, me. Mm. So, not too long ago, I-, I went to CVS just down the street, realized they were closed, pulled out, and then, uh, well, l- let me tell you something that happened. How many of y'all know Johnston Street is very, very dangerous? Because of people like me and some of y'all. Now, we have, we have Midtown bumper stickers. I recommend that until you get your driving right, you refrain from putting one on your car. There's your practical application for the day. No, but here's what happened. I, I pulled out, but here, here's what happened. I looked to my left, and then out of my periphery, I looked kind of to the right. I was in a hurry. I went like this, and I, I, I thought it was clear. let me tell the story. I pull out so I can go left. And right as I pull out, I'm like, dear Jesus, you ever had that moment? Like as it's happening, dear Jesus, here comes this car. And so um, instinctively, I just hammered it to get out of the way. So I didn't run into this guy. And if you're here, I'm so sorry for almost (laughs) killing you. But have you ever had that moment? You're like, I should, I shouldn't. But instinctively, you hit it. You're like, I'm just going to get out of the way. Well, that's what happened. And so, thank God I did not cause a wreck. But pulled out, straightened up. And then I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And then this guy slows down in his car. (laughs) And gets up right beside me. And I'm like, I'm reminding myself, you are a Christian, Scott. And you are a pastor of the church down the street. It was all my fault. He lets down his window and dog cussed me. I mean, it was like the Tower of Babel, like tongues coming out of his car. I'd never even heard some of those curse words before. And so I let down my window just a little bit. I didn't know if he was going to shoot me or whatever. And let me tell you what I said back to him. I said, I am so sorry. I am an idiot. I am so sorry. You're sorry. You didn't see me. And he just kept, ah. And so how could I get mad? It it was my fault. I drove off and I'm like, did that just really happen? He dog cussed me. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So if you ever get dog cussed, just say, Praise the Lord. And keep driving. I, I got dog cussed because of something I did wrong. Paul got, so to speak, dog cussed for doing what was right. He was reviled, not because he spoke falsehood, but because he spoke the truth. And listen to me carefully. I, I want, as I teach the Word, I want you to understand what's happening in it. Okay? Paul was a Jew, and he loved his Jewish brothers and sisters deeply and dearly. He loved them. And he loved them so much that he told them the truth. Some of y'all are perhaps shrinking back. You're avoiding those situations. You know what you need to say, but you're afraid to say it. Listen to me. One of the most loving things you can do, and you got to wait for the right timing is to speak the truth and to do it in what? In love. Paul was not mad at the Jews. He was not mad. He loved them deeply and he loved them dearly to the point where he risked his life going before them in the synagogue, Sabbath after Sabbath, week after week, unpacking the truth that, listen, Jesus is the only way. He's the one foretold in the Old Testament. Prophecy was written about him. Once you believe in him and be saved, that was his message. And in response, they did what? They opposed him and what? Blasphemous. They reviled him. And, and, and Paul, here, here's what Paul did. Listen to how he responded when they did this. What does the Bible say? It says that he apologized, right? No, look at verse six. He shook out his garment and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Did he really say that? I thought we're supposed to be kind and long suffering. He was. This wasn't the first time that he went to the synagogue preaching and then they didn't believe and he got frustrated because he preached bad and was like, I'm done with y'all. He had been there in this community preaching and teaching and, and, and showing people from scripture that Jesus was the Christ, but they, listen, they weren't having it. And we're told that Paul Shook out his garment. Do you know what that means? That's a way of saying, I'm shut, you're you're rejecting me, you're saying all these things about me. Your words are coming. As he shook out his garment, that was his way of saying, This is on you. What you're saying is not gonna get on me. I have fulfilled my responsibility. I am innocent of the blood that will be shed. That blood is on your own hand, on your own heads, it's not on me. And he shook it out saying, this is on you. This is not on me. And and we read this and it's like, oh man, Paul was bold. Yeah, like, go get him, Paul. But listen to me, I'm convinced that Paul did this. But listen, it's never fun to have to cut somebody off. It's never fun to say, in so many words, I'm done with you. How many of y'all know that's a very difficult thing? But sometimes you have to draw boundary lines. How many of y'all know you can't stay in the same place ministering to the same people forever? Not even Jesus did that. And listen to me carefully. When it comes to religious people, I mean, most people in ancient culture were religious but the people that Jesus was hardest on were not the broken, not the prostitutes, not the destitute, but the religious leaders who rejected him and his claims. And Jesus, read it for yourself in Matthew 23. He looks at him. He says, you're sons of hell. Did Pastor Scott just said that? No, Jesus said that. He says, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you do, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Read it. Matthew 23. Whoa, whoa. He offers these woes. He says your unmarked graves, you're like whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, but full of death on the inside. Now, how many of y'all know if you talk like that, you're going to get fired. If you talk that way at work, you talk that way out and you talk that way on social media, you're going to get blocked and canceled. But listen, this isn't about us going off. Contextually, Jesus is talking to people that he ministered to who heard the truth, who saw the truth, but refused to embrace the truth. Those are the people that Jesus was hardest upon. But for the prostitute, for the destitute, for the broken, who saw their sin and realized their sin, what did Jesus give? He gave the hand of grace, the hand of mercy and said, I don't care where you've been. I'm going to raise you up and you go and sin no more. It doesn't matter who you are today, where you've been. God can forgive you and set you free and he's not mad at you. His kindness leads us to repentance. Unfortunately, some people reject that kindness and don't want anything to do with it. But how discouraging this must have been for Paul. These were his countrymen that he loved, but they certainly weren't hearing it or having it. So what did he do? I'm glad you asked. Y'all ready? Acts 18, 7-8. And Paul left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, who was a Gentile, non-Jew, worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue, which could be very problematic. Crispus, everybody say Crispus. The ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians. Hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Yeah. What a picture. In one house, Paul experiences rejection. What a difference 20 feet can make. He goes next door and we read about Tisha's Justice and <laughs> Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. Presumably, Tisha's Justice gets saved. Crispus, the ruler, gets saved. We're told that, that he and his household believe and they're saved. But Luke goes on to say that many of the Corinthians, that is, Gentiles, non Jews, they believed. And they were baptized. Now, what an incredible story. I mean, there's some people after preaching, after ministering, and facing the rejection that he faced would have just gone home and been like, maybe I'm not called. But Paul walked next door. One door was closed, the next door was wide open. Paul walked right through it and because of God's faithfulness and because of Paul's obedience, the church at Corinth was birthed right there, right there in that house, right there in that season. And it wasn't just Titius justice. It wasn't just Christmas. It was many Corinthians. They believed and they were baptized. Listen, y'all, all this happened in one of the nastiest cities in the entire ancient world. The last place that you would think revival would break out or where resurrection would break out was the very place that Paul visited and saw God do signs, wonders, and miracles. Why did Paul go there? Well, for many reasons, but because Paul believed that God was the God of that city and that he would have the final say in it in people's lives who believed. He really believed that God would move, that God would set the captives free. Listen, for anyone who's willing to believe the gospel, I don't care how dark your life is, how destitute you are, how depressed you've been, how dark your life is, how nasty you are, the things you've done, the porn you've looked at, the affairs you've had, the lies you've told, the grace of God is greater than the sin in you. And when you come to him, he will wipe you clean, wash you clean, raise you up and make you into a new creation and this isn't just i don't get that from a commentary i get that from my life i get that from the god that i serve who's done that in my life anybody else come on y'all he's the god of the city he's the god of corinth he's the god of lafayette he's the god of our cities but think about this today is i work up a sweat that we read First and Second Corinthians today because of God's faithfulness and because of Paul's obedience to go into this nasty city and refuse to give up preaching the word. You read the word of God, 1 and 2 Corinthians today because of Paul's faithfulness then because he didn't give up. When one door was closed, he knew another door would open. What a difference. 20 feet or so. Can make. And this wasn't the only door that God opened. Listen to what the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Acts 18, 9 through 11. He said, the Lord said, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Listen, Christians, don't be rude. Don't be abrasive. Don't be relational sandpaper with people. Don't say things just to make people mad. Don't try to be the shock job, but keep on on speaking the truth in love everywhere, wisely on social media, carefully in your workplace, everywhere you go. And how many of y'all know you don't have to preach to people like I do for an hour. How many y'all know four sentences of truth given and believed can set the captives free? Some of y'all, you're not there yet. I get it. It's okay. It takes a while to understand and to embrace this. I get it. It's taken me years. But he says, do not be afraid. And we're naturally afraid, aren't we? You don't have to raise your hand about this. But each and every one of us here, we care what people think. We do. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. You don't ever want to say, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. I care about what the right people in my life say and think. I care what the godly, what they say about me and what they think about me. So don't ever say, I I don't care what people think. It's foolish. You need to say, I don't care what God-hating culture says about me. I don't care what Hollywood says about me. I don't care what certain politicians say about me or my kind. I don't I don't care about that. What I do care about is what my wife thinks about me. And if you want to know who I really am, don't listen to my message, come sit with me at home and talk to her and she'll tell you about how diligent I am in taking out the trash. No. Are y'all with me? Don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid, but go on speaking. Don't be silent. Christians, don't be silent. For I'm with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city. Oh, where? Many in this city who are my people. That had to be encouraging for Paul. Verse 11. And he stayed a year and six months. How many of y'all know a little bit of encouragement from the Lord can go a long way? One word from God in your time in prayer, one word from God, from His Word, you can get so much mileage. Listen, y'all, I have run months and in cases years from one revelation that God has given me that broke into my darkness, that shed light on my situation, that reminded me of who I am and who He is in my situation as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and the issues of this world. How many of y'all know one word can set you free? One word of encouragement. Oh, and listen to me carefully, saints. Encourage one another because God will speak to you from His Word, but He'll also speak His Word to you through other people. And I mean, I think of people all around me who I'm surrounded. Pastor Jacob, Pastor David, my wife. I encourage them. They encourage me. Listen, if you don't have people in your life who are encouraging you with the Word of God, if you don't have friends in your life who are encouraging you with the truth of God, get some new friends. And I'm not saying you rid yourself of all the others, but you need a circle of people who are going to speak truth to you and life to you. And I say it all the time to my own staff and people around me. Listen, if you see something, say something If you see something off, say something. Do you guys know that we are called to hold one another accountable? Did you know that if we would do that in grace and love, there would be fewer pastors and fewer people falling into sin? Did you know that? That we are the means that God uses to keep one another strong. And I need you and you need me. We're going to run this race. We're going to make it to the end. And it happens by coming to church on Sunday. But as we meet together in discipleship groups throughout the week, we get to encourage one another. And I say, keep on running. Don't you give up. Keep on running the race. Are y'all tracking today? I'm working hard up here. Are y'all with me today? And that's not in my notes, but it's in my head. So I had to say it. Listen, encourage one another. He says, For I'm with you. And it says he stayed a year and a half because of this word of encouragement. So let me speed up here. With this said, Paul was convinced that if one door closed, another door would open. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 9, verse 9 in particular, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. According to Revelation 3, 7, you serve the God who, well, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts, no one will open. How many of y'all know if that door is shut, if it's God's will, he's got the key to that door and that door will open. How many of y'all know, on the other hand, some doors that are shut were meant to remain shut because God doesn't want you to experience what's on the other side. Not every open door is from God. But my point is that God is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. Do you trust God? He's the mountain-moving, door-opening God of all creation. Do you believe Him? Do you believe His Word? He's able to make a way. Especially when, when you're seeking His face, and you're in His Word, and you're surrounded by His people, it is impossible to miss His will for your life. But Paul was convinced. One door closed. Another one open. He walks next door. Boom. Church. Let's start a church in Corinth. And here we are, almost 2,000 years, right at 2,000 years later, reading this document. But as I read this, uh, I think of two things. First of all, I think of the bad news. You want to hear some bad news? I'm going to give you good news too. You want the good or the bad first? You want the bad? I'm just asking. I'm not really going to do what you say. I'm going to actually give you the bad (laughs) I just want to make you feel like you're a part of this. You're really not. I'm just, te- I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Here's the bad news. As, as we look out, social media, news, locally, internationally, how many of y'all know there's a lot of bad news? And I, I don't necessarily think, per se, that things are getting worse. I think that we have the ability to hear about things faster, work travels faster. But maybe things are getting darker. Maybe it's both. Things are traveling, words traveling faster and things are getting darker. Maybe that is the case. Uh, Irrespective of my opinion, as I look out, just what what I see right in front of me. I see a lot of closed doors. And I see a lot of hardened hearts. I see people and hear about people regularly who are walking away from the Lord people who have served the Lord in some capacity, hearts are getting hardened and they are walking away. Other people, they hear the gospel, they hear you share, and they don't want anything to do with it. And we live in such a God-hating culture, don't we? And it really saddens me when I hear about someone who was in the church but has walked away from an atmosphere where that hurt can even take place. Does that make sense? Now, on the other side of that is the truth that we must remind people that it doesn't make sense to walk away from God because of somebody in the church. God didn't hurt you, they did. And I know they're almost one and the same for a lot of people. But listen to me carefully. God can do no wrong. God is righteous and just in all of his ways. And he can heal and he can deliver and he can set you free if you have been hurt. And I want to say, and this, just, this was not in my notes, It's in my heart because I've talked to so many people who have been hurt by the church. Things need to change. God is working to bring change in His church. How many of y'all know He loves His church? Jesus loves His church. He loves you more than you love His church. And He's working. And I believe in days to come, in spite of all the bad news, I believe God. In His grace. He's going to do a work in this city, in our churches, in our people, a greater work than it's ever been seen or done before in this region. And I believe that people who've walked away as repentance and humility takes place are going to come home. And I believe that the dark and the lost and the abandoned and the broken and the sinners, the religious and the irreligious, I believe in days to come, I think they're going to come back because the grace in Christ is greater than the brokenness in them. How many of y'all believe that God's going to do that work? as we posture ourselves and in, in, in live and walk in humility and own our sin. Can we lift our hands right now? Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way.